Hello, friends. Good to have you with us on Red Barn Radio. I'm Bradford Becker. Tonight, we continue in our 21st season of Red Barn Radio, and we welcome you to show number 824. Our guest this evening, Kyle Eldridge, has been burning his way into the country western scene and has quickly become in demand both domestically and abroad. From Louisville, Kentucky, Kyle has become known as one of the most prominent guitar players in the traditional scene for his Joe Mathis-derived and western jazz styling. I know you're going to dig what we have going on in the barn tonight. Get ready for some fun tonight, folks. Kyle Eldridge has entered the barn. Thanks to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.org. Red Barn Radio is presented with the support of LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's cultural development, advocacy, and fundraising organization. LexArts, working for the development of a strong and vibrant arts community as a means of enhancing the quality of life in Central Kentucky. And by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Planning to visit Lexington or just looking for more information? Visit Lex is on the web at visitlex.com. 
Kyle Eldridge is originally from Springfield, Ohio, but moved to Louisville, Kentucky in 2015. He got his start playing in the South, where he met upright bassist Dakota Collins, who brought him to Nashville, Tennessee. They began playing honky-tonks on the famous Broadway strip. Kyle has played alongside artists from Jim Heath of Reverend Horton Heat to Sean Young of High Noon and Dale Watson and his Lone Stars, among others. Tonight, Kyle is joined by his band, John McQueen on the Doghouse Bass and Brian Hufflick on drums. We're glad you could be with us for an evening of music and conversation with Kyle Eldridge. Well, I worked in the sun in the field with my dad since I was just 15. Thought there's got to be a better way for me to make a living as a train whistle blowing out steam. So I bought myself a house with a telescope pop, new suit and mustache wax. Then I hopped on the riverboat to old Kentucky to play my hand to win some cash. Cause I'm a river, riverboat gambler. I roll seven on eleven, I'll be the biggest winner in town. River, riverboat gambler. You can bet your money on my bottom dollar, brother, I'm riverboat bound.
Hey, folks, we got Kyle Eldridge in the barn this evening. He's here with Brian Hoflick back there on drums and John McQueen over there slapping that bass. It might be a good point to start, Kyle, to talk a little bit about these guitars. Before we talk about that new one you have in your hand, you could reach back behind you there and grab that old instrument that you used to play. Clearly, the one you have there is a lot better than that one. I had to get a new guitar because, you know, this one, all the strings fell off. Yeah. It was uh, clearly made with old outhouse repurposed wood sure tell us about that great instrument you got there kyle so this is a tnm guitar made by terry MacArthur out of nashville tennessee and terry is a master luthier and uh, builder and he made me this guitar last year these are basically replicas of the 1950s style Moserite, joe mafis larry collins from the collins kids that whole 50s Moserite type guitar they're hollow so they're not really, you know, that heavy uh, as they look. They used to be back in the 50s. The original made for Joe Mavis, I want to say it was probably, you know, 16 pounds or something originally. Joe was a right, real tall guy. And even it, then, you know, it, it messed his shoulder up over time, you know, messed with his shoulder and his neck. And he had problems later on in life. So when I had Terry build me one, I said, build it like Joe's, except I'm not as tall as Joe Mathis was. So build me a little one a little smaller. The body's a little bit smaller, a little shallower. And I said, hollow it out as much as you can. I, w- I want to be able to play this, you know, not just for a for, couple for songs. Weight, for the purpose of weight. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, right. and I, I want to be able to utilize this as, as a tool and, and go out and, and play for people. So uh, he did a fantastic job. I have another guitar. I had another double neck last year that I was playing that I bought as a vintage one. It was a Carvin. Carvins are great guitars, and even their old ones. This was a late 50s one I had. Had a mandolin neck on the top. This one's just a regular, like an octave guitar. So it's uh, just like the regular guitar, but just an octave up. So it, it plays the same. So, so yeah. You can now play that. Oh, excellent. Great. So you get like a mandolin-type tone out of it, but your finger memory, muscle memory is all the same. Will I ever get up and leave this town? Well, I'll tell you what I don't plan on doing And I was waiting around Well, I used to hear stories This town was a scene But all I see is a ghost town Lonely and mean Will I ever get up and leave this town? They say, if you find something you're good at or something that you like, you never work a minute or a day in your life. So I'd rather work hard at what I love to do than to slave away something I hate.
they like received us uh, in Nashville. Deke Dickerson came to town to Nashville, and you know he's the one who really helped start this whole process because I was playing that old Carvin, which was a good guitar, but it had problems. I mean, it's uh, what kind of issues? It had some structural issues at the time and a lot of electronic issues. Since then, I've gotten all that fixed and repaired, but I brought that guitar out to a festival we were doing in Boston last year. I was playing it during my set, and I had made up my mind at that point, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to ever afford or own something like this. And I had put it out of my mind, and I thought, well, I'll just play this Carvin, and I'll do the best I can with it. I went to that festival and, and played it and did the best I could with it. And uh, everyone, you know, pat me on the back, said, good job, and all that. And Deke comes up to me in the hallway of this uh, place afterwards and says, man, no one else is going to tell you this, Kyle, but that guitar has issues. <laughs> and he said, you were playing it the best you could. I can tell. He says, it was, you're having some tuning issues with it. I could tell you were struggling a little bit. He said, we really need to get you one of those T&M really good. If you're going to have a double neck, you should get one of the good ones. And I said, man, I just can't afford that. I, I, just, just, I don't think that's going to be possible for me as a working musician because they're, they're pricey. I mean, he's a, a master luthier, builds them by hand, takes them you know, every bit of you know, over half a year to, to really make them. Deke said, let me, let me think about this for a few days and get back to you. Okay. A few days go by, and you know, he calls me up and says, man, I think we should do a GoFundMe for you. And I said, well, I don't want to start a GoFundMe and, you know, ask people for donations for, for a selfish cause, for something that I want to, you know, use and play. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I'll set it up. You just help promote it. Even if we can get you an eighth of the way there, at least it'll put you in the right direction. And I said, okay, well, I'm willing to give it a try. Huh. So he, he put it live on his Facebook page and Instagram and social media, and we all shared it and everything. How long ago? This is last summer. This okay. will be last se- September. And I was expecting, you know, and hoping, like, well, maybe we can get, yeah, like a quarter of the way there financially, and, and I could hack it, you know. And within, I want to say it was like five hours, uh, we reached goal. And that was... Wow. We got, uh, yeah, so that, that was incredible. Still blows my mind thinking about it. We got a commission, and, and he built this really quick. And, and Terry's got a Facebook page where he posts daily updates of his process and how he builds these and you can go check that out it's all documented now this is really really was kind of a miracle guitar and again i still have the old guitar and i like it and everything but this one just exceeds it by a million i mean this one plays a lot easier it's masterfully crafted and it looks real sharp yeah no. <laughs> yeah of a jukebox tune. I'd get on this stage and play for all my friends. Just drinking and dancing to me and my pals, the good old Kentucky cow hands. Sitting outside and shooting the breeze on a warm summer night with the cool autumn breeze. We've been working all day and now it's time for some fun. Take back the chair and pull up a rug. Lay my money down and order a 
beer for me, a glass of wine for my chick. Then we'll honky tonk till twelve or one. Then we'll find a little place where we can have some fun. I know a few quiet places in town for parking. If we're feeling just right, then maybe we can do some sparking. Then we'll drive you home in my old dumb car, just me and you underneath the moon and the stars. Maybe we'll see a UFO fly across the sky down in Louisville, Kentucky on a Saturday night. The folks who have played this style of music, like, yeah. for instance, Joe Mafis, you said that his instrument, that it was tuned like mandolin? That's the old carvin I have. Oh, the, the old carvin. Yeah. Oh, I got his, you. His was more like this. His and, was octave. And Larry Collins was as well. And because they would do those double-neck tricks and get other guitar players on stage, because they were on the, that TV show back in the day called Town Hall Party. It was like the Grand old Opry of the West Coast out in L.A., and they were like stars on that show. So they would do all the all the showbiz tricks. And I kind of wanted to just, you know, pay tribute to that and, and bring that back to life because it's kind of a little lost piece of history, yeah. that era. You know, everyone thinks about the 50s as rock and roll and country and different stuff. But those West Coast guys kind of get lost in the mix. And, and they were really integral. Him, Larry Collins, Merle Travis, who was from Kentucky, you know, he sure. moved to California and had a really nice career out there and showbiz and, and guitar playing and this guitar, to me, is kind of a dream come true because it allows me to really showcase what those guys and gals were doing back then. Yeah, cool. Let's go honky-tonkin', darling. Let's go make the rounds. Put on your hat and best dress, honey, and we'll go truck on down. The people are a-dancing and shuffling their feet. The sound of clinking glasses bombing bite out in the street. Some folks in town see spaceships when they look up at the sky. Don't you worry, honey, it's just a pistol neon sign. Just fighting and a feuding and drinking air till dawn. At the crystal pistol honky tonk, we'll have some fun. Dickerson. 
he's been doing kind of what I'm doing, except for a lot longer. And um, guitar he, player, guitar player, yeah. yep, guitar player, singer songwriter, music historian, journalist, you name it. He so you call it. his thing rockabilly. Yeah, I would say generally, you know, to a modern audience, old honky tonk country, sometimes surf yeah. rock. It all kind of goes in, and then rockabilly, rock and roll, a catch-all rockabilly. You like that, okay? When people, yeah, when I'm people okay with it. Yeah, I mean, there's because what do you prefer? rockabilly and western swing and all that stuff. All that stuff gets broken down into so many subcategories all the time. I either call my what I do rockabilly or just traditional country. When I think of western swing, yeah, I, I guess I, I think of a, of a bigger, fatter rhythm sound i think of twin fiddles yep. and i even think a little bit about rhythm and lead guitar yeah when i think about rockabilly and surfability i think yeah. much more about this sort of guitar centric music like what you have going on here absolutely i agree 100 percent. i'm a big fan of western swing and i incorporate a lot of it into my guitar playing and into my my songwriting i i usually work with trios back in the day like back in the 40s and 50s when western swing was really thriving you know, they were they were emulating the big bands, like, you know, the big swing bands of the day with country instruments. Hmm. Sometimes they would have, a, you know, a six, seven-piece band, sometimes a 13, 14-piece band. Hmm. Um, but that was at the height of its popularity, and it's just, you know, not feasible to, to, to do that uh, financially or logistically these days a lot of times. So I've always worked with a trio, and, and you know, I like so many different genres of that mid-century, you know, Americana genre kind of, kind of music that... My, my personal dream was, you know, as a guitar player, of course, I like to hear guitar, and I love rockabilly because it features guitar a lot. But I love Western swing, but, you know, I, I can't play all the instruments at once. So here I am with one guy with a guitar, but, you know, I can do a little bit. you got two necks. It's got, it's got two necks, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, I can get a lot of those different sounds or attempt to get a lot of those sounds on the guitar and kind of have a trio rockabilly kind of sound, guitar-forward sound, incorporating some of those big band elements and western swing and country elements in my music. For instance, I can play some steel guitar licks on my guitar, you know. You can get some of those tones. You know, you can get some fiddle, of course, you know. You can get some little fiddle licks on there. Uh-huh. Uh, even banjo. A little tune, a little licks here and there, yeah. and try to try to emulate other instruments. Kind of trying to marry those two ideas of this, the big bands back in the day, country and western swing bands, with the more, you know, economical rockabilly, guitar centric kind of, you know, more in your face, loud kind of thing. I like to mix those two, and and that's how I do it. Yeah.
Hey, Kyle, one thing I, I've been noticing here, I didn't think about this earlier, is you do not have effects pedals going on. The only thing I've got uh, is my guitar running through the amp and maybe a little bit of a slapback echo delay, just a touch. Uh-huh. Not, not as crazy and wild as like some of those old rockabilly records, but I like just a touch. But other than that, it's straight into the amp. That makes it, I should think, even more challenging. I mean, I think, you know, to some extent, you, you can hide some behind effects. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? We get just you, and it seems like that'd be really demanding through an entire show to be sort of playing clean. Yeah, it comes with a set of challenges, no doubt about it. I kind of like, I like the honesty of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm never perfect. You see mistakes and all, but it's good because it's what you get is, you know, it's coming out of my mind at that time, right onto the guitar, right to your ears, as close as you can get. The more effects pedals you add into your chain, which is fun. I do like some good effect pedals. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You know, yeah. as a guitar nerd, I can't help it. Uh-huh. But it is fun going out to, you know, play a honky-tonk bar or, you know, a festival or something and just plugging it right into the amp and saying, hey, this is me. Here's what I do. Yeah. And I like the honesty of that. I, and I think people appreciate that. Yeah, it's cool. Way up high, there's a bright neon light that tells you when the harvest and guides the ocean tide. Is there a man in the moon? UFOs, I can't tell. NASA won't save the surface, rings like a bell. It's a spooky moon, and ever watching night, a stardust alone. Rangers might cause a fight As the truth revealed That we're not alone Some is our real It's a spooky moon Well, I wonder about the missions That they launched to the moon Behind the scenes of cameras That were kept out of view Rolls of secret footage I were taken that day And confiscated back on Earth from out there in space It's a spooky moon And ever watching on A stardust alone For strangers might cause a fight As the truth revealed back with more Red Barn Radio after this break. Red Barn Radio, roots music, southern style. We'll be right back. A spacecraft on craters looking down from above. 
Were we allowed to travel there but were not to stay? Is there a lunar secret being kept up in space? It's a spooky moon in every watching night. A stardust saloon where strangers might cause a fight. Has the truth revealed that we're not alone? Welcome back. This is Red Barn Radio, recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. Red Barn Radio, roots music, southern style. to travel there but were not to stay Is there a lunar secret being kept up in space? It's a spooky moon ever watching Stardust saloon Where strangers might cause a fight As the truth revealed That we're not alone Some myths are real It's a spooky moon do a tune now. This is another brand new one. This one I recorded last year and uh, hopefully it'll come out this year. It's a little thing called Root Beer. Well, a man walked up to the date of the show. He said, I want to buy a shot for the band. I said, no, give a shot to the boys. Me, I want a glass. That's a brass asparilla from a bark on a branch. Want a gold grizz, carbonated, caramel-colored brew. Tall fries, a glass, not a jug of mountain dew. A double shot, a soda pop. Root Beer. I want a chug, a frosty mug, all root beer. She could put her number in my phone She said, would you like a drink, a martini in a glass I said, want a soda pop if you want a romance Want a cold crisp carbonate, a caramel-colored brew Soft rise of glass, not a jug of Mountain Dew A double shot, a soda pop, root beer I want a chug, a frosty mug, all root beer Shot, soda pop, root beer. I want to chug a frosty mug, all root beer. 
style of music you play nods to a number of players in our past who shaped rock and roll and country. You've mentioned a couple, Merle Travis and mm-hmm. Joe Mafis and Merle Travis. The Kentucky-born, Muhlenberg County-born, great thumb picker. Yeah, he kind of did a lot of things. He was one of those guys that was kind of like a renaissance man of his time. I mean, he was in movies, of course, made a lot of hit records, including 16 Tons, made folk albums, made electric guitar albums, made commercial records, just had a really, really colorful career, uh, no doubt. His roots always, you know, came from his birthplace in Kentucky and huh. in, in down in Muhlenberg County. They still down there play that kind of style of guitar. It's that thumb-picking, you know, finger-picking style of guitar that's really unique to, to him and, and that region. You know, guys like Chet Atkins, who was younger than Merle Travis, heard Merle Travis on the radio and said, that's what I want to do, and made his own thing out of it. And you find it all across, you know, popular country records, even in modern country records, it creeps up, and you'll find his playing kind of melodic thumb-picking style, whether it be someone like Brad Paisley, you know, doing that every now and then. Or if you go downtown Nashville, you'll still see guys uh, and gals busting that out on the guitar every now and then. Huh. So it's, it's kind of a unique style. It can be really fast, but uh, the, the beauty of it is you can play it in a small ensemble, and you're basically playing the rhythm part and the lead part at the same time. Can you sort of demonstrate that oh, a little sure, bit? Yeah. Just like a... I'll play a little of his song, just, just a few verses here of uh, uh, Cannonball Rag. That was a, one he made famous. So yeah, that's getting, a great sound. So it's getting that rhythm playing. Was he always playing with a flat pick, or was he using his uh, thumbnail? Now, he always used a thumb pick, typically, and a lot of those thumb uh. pickers, Merle, Travis, you know, he made it so popular. That style existed before him, but he made it so popular it became Travis Picking, or known as that, Sure. Um, named after him. And he always used a thumb pick and his first finger a lot of times. And some guys will do that. Some people will play with... You know, hybrid style with multiple fingers. Yeah. What I do and what Joe Mafis did and a lot of flat pickers do, because I do a lot of flat picking, to be able to jump back and forth between flat picking and thumb picking, I had to adapt and do my own thing. So I had to just hold my flat pick here and... And then use my middle finger to get that, those melody notes. Yeah. Nice sound. <laughs> oh, thank you. Why did you bother me at all? You didn't care about me all along. Why did you waste all of my time? You aren't worth a nickel and you sure weren't worth my dime. Tired of your fickle ways, do you love just the game? In the end, no matter what I did, it would have turned out just the same. Now time has healed my soul, but stars remind me. It's okay to trust somebody, just be sure you realize.
feelings, I still have a lutein. Deep inside the ocean of my soul, you painted blue. Tired of your fickle ways, do you love just a game? Well, in the end, no matter what I did, it would have turned out just the same. Now, time is you, my soul, but as far as you mind me. It's okay to trust somebody, just be sure you realize. So Joe Mafis came from kind of the east, you know, came from Virginia and Maryland and that kind of region and was a fiddler originally, as a lot of those guitar players, early guitar players, a lot of them started off with fiddle. That was a common instrument a lot of people started on, whether it be in Texas, you know, the Western swing style or, or on the east coast, bluegrass and traditional, you know, traditional music. And Joe Mafis started off doing that and playing kind of, you know, barn dance music and, and hoedowns and, you know, like fiddle tunes and all that. Then he had developed this guitar style, which his guitar style is kind of a mix of fiddling on the guitar and kind of that old-timey, almost Carter family kind of sound, you know, where he kind of does it. Kind of a a chordal style, like a traditional chord style. And he just kind of combined those two and, you know, added in all the speed and playing at 100 miles an hour sometimes. So the Carter would sort of pull from his Virginia roots. Yeah, absolutely, but bluegrass the, roots. Yeah, yeah, but the music that he ultimately gravitated toward it really pulls more from out west of the Rockies, right? Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people hear his music and Merle Travis. A lot of times they'll call it Western Swing, and a lot of times because they were in the West, and, you know, and they could swing on that guitar. But what he brought to the table was the fast playing and those Eastern influences, because a lot of times, back in those days anyways, kind of west of the Mississippi, it was all Western swing and, you know, big band music and dancing, and you weren't doing good as a musician unless there were people on the dance floor. But east of the Mississippi, it was the opposite. It was you sit politely and watch the show, like bluegrass music and traditional Uh. and country. And so those guys would bring those Midwest and Southern and East, you know, sensibilities, the bluegrass influences and the country influences and introduce that to all those Western swing audiences. That was a unique flavor at that time. The other thing that they did was really push the electric guitar in the fifties as a dominant instrument. The show they were on Joe Mavis, Merle Travis, Larry Collins, they were all on that show town hall party on the West coast. And the cool thing about Town Hall Party was you had all these honky-tonk country western people on there, and it was kind of a country western show. But when rockabilly and rock and roll started coming out and surf rock in the early days, a lot of people kind of in the Nashville scene and, and, and kind of the east and eastern regions, when rockabilly came out and kind of decimated the country western market, this really unique era in the, in the kind of mid to late 50s where Elvis came out and rockabilly really uh. just hit... And they sold all the records, and ever all the country artists' record sales for a while plummeted. And they were trying to make their own rockabilly records just to try to survive. Out on the West Coast, they embraced it. And, and that was Bakersfield. Yeah, that whole start of the Bakersfield right, sound, yeah. Right. Um, so they, they would have Johnny Cash and the Tennessee Two out um, on Town Hall Party as guests. They would have rockabilly, have Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps. They embraced it. Um, and all those early rock and roll folks, whereas a lot of other people, is one or the other. But those West Coast guys did a really good job of kind of merging the two and just say, you know, hey, there's room for everybody. Well, I went out honky-tonk and so I bought some new boots. 
A new fancy custom tailor-made western suit I knew Stetson had to put up high on my head In a five-star meal to keep myself well-fed Going a penny, nickel and dime my money away Well, I drive an old hot rod with dice in the mirror I dance and hula girl on my dash when I steer I like to go out cruising and I keep the roads hot With my chrome-plated double-barreled polished exhaust I'm going a penny, nickel and dime my money away really least about the Collins kids. Well, they were kids back when that show Town Hall Party was on. They were cast members on that show. It was Larry Collins and his sister Lori, and, and they would do duets. Joe Mavis got uh, a double neck guitar like this built for him in, in about 1954, 55, right around then. At the exact same time, Larry Collins, who was just, you know, eight or nine years old at the time, I believe, huh. they built him one. But they didn't build him one like mine, where it's smaller. He had like the full size. 16-pound guitar, and here he is, his little kid. But he just 
went to town on that. And if you look up any footage on YouTube of Larry Collins and the Collins kids, he was just a ball of energy, and uh, he handled that guitar just like an adult. <laughs> Sail away now, a gentle stream away to close your eyes and rest your weary mind. On the low ride down a peaceful river, gondoliers, hangs and steers, you mandolin upon a hill, stands an old stone temple, a silhouette of someone standing there. Her hair was brown, her eyes were green, and she smiled when she looked at me. My love over was it just a dream? Brian Hufflick, as a drummer, how did you learn to play this style of, of music? I am making it up as much as I as I as I got. I'm making it up and, nah. and just ripping off everything I've ever heard. I'm bad at, at, at pointing out specific drummers. But I'm not as knowledgeable as say like Kyle is about. Oh, so and so played on this record. So and so played on this record. But I know the sounds of those records and a lot of those grooves. You know, like when you've got a crazy fast two-step thing going on. You know, sometimes there wasn't even a drummer around. Sometimes it was just an upright bass and an acoustic guitar and whatever. So some of what I do is a translation from what other instruments were doing. And then the rest is like, you know, whatever I've heard from early recordings in rock and roll, early recordings in country music, you know, just to really, really pay attention to how exactly they were playing their parts. Those styles, when you put them all together, too, it's like, you know, those are the easy styles. They're just easy. And then you, you put them on a drum set and you ask them to play it and they just barrel through it and it sounds terrible i know because i used to play it terribly that's how i know there's such a nuance to it and it's such there's such a, a dynamics to everything you probably I, I would like to think everyone's catching that too dynamically just to keep it very interesting and and moving in and out of places you know yeah um, we can be loud in your face and then in the next breath drop way down to you know pianissimo huh. um, and then all the rest is just you know i played a lot of jazz in high school so I've got some fancy licks or whatever that I try. <laughs> I was playing drums with uh, Crazy Joe 
uh, Crazy Joe Trichler and, and the Mad River Outlaws. So Crazy Joe was a guitar player that did some playing with Deke Dickerson as well, out uh, all over the place, as, as a matter of fact. And then Kyle knew Joe. I played with Joe for like four or five years. And then after I left, Kyle took over on drums. At some point we met in there. I forget where we, where was the first time we met? See how memorable it was? It's a lot of fuzzy years there. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, we, we met a long, long time ago. And, in, and John over here on the bass, I've known John for over a decade and Yellow Springs, <clears throat> Ohio native there. Me and John hooked up years ago locally because I'm originally from there. And uh, John was the only guy in town with an upright bass and that knew that style really well, those old Americana styles and those chord changes, the American songbook. Uh, he's really steeped in all that stuff. And um, so he knew what I was, what I was trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot, of, a lot of gigs and a lot of shows and a lot of music together. Huh. to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.org. Red Barn Radio is presented with the support of LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's cultural development, advocacy, and fundraising organization. LexArts, working for the development of a strong and vibrant arts community as a means of enhancing the quality of life in Central Kentucky. And by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Planning to visit Lexington or just looking for more information? Visit Lex is on the web at visitlex.com. Red Barn Radio's executive producer is Ed Commons, who also directs our show. 
The Red Barn Radio playout theme, Wookie Foot, was taken from a live performance of the Wooks here on Red Barn Radio. More at wookoutamerica.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kathy Stamps. There are so many people to thank for this Red Barn Radio broadcast. First, Kyle Eldred, our guest on tonight's program. We're ever grateful for our volunteers and staff who make our production happen each week. We want to thank all of you for listening to our webcast, watching us on social media, and those listening to us on the network of Red Barn stations and media worldwide. Red Barn Radio comes to you from our home, the Arts Place Performance Hall in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. Our website has updates and further information on our guests and our program. We're on the web at redbarnradio.com. And now before we close out this evening's program, let's bring back Kyle Eldridge to do one more tune. I'm a honky-tonk nighttime man I can't stand no light I'm a honky-tonk nighttime man I can't stand no light Get my rest in the daytime I do my running round at night Had the blues this morning Had the blues all day today the blues this morning, had the blues all day today. When the shadows fall, I blow my blues away.
Red Barn Radio, Roots Music, Southern Style. The best music from the roots of the South and sharing this music with the world. 